There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get started with this episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to tell you I am stoked to be collaborating with Rotoballer this 2020 season with the Benched with Bubba podcast joining the Rotoballer radio network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball players their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer 2020 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all Benched with Bubba listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's draft kit by using the discount code BUBBA. Rotoballer is home to the number one Fantasy Pros Accuracy Ranker, Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers, and busts. More than 300 2020 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with a discount code Bubba. Just go to rotoballer.com backslash Bubba and get your draft kit today. They have tons of great stuff and you get premium with promo code Bubba, DFS, all the goodies. Use promo code Bubba, sign up at Rollerballer, connect your 10% off with promo code Bubba. Now to tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 300 we have a special <laughs> yes sir yes sir. For you this is amazing a... you know the voice you know the voice folks you know the voice and you'll know the face if you go to youtube you can check it out find him on twitter at picture list quite the guy mr nick pollock how we doing man what is happening this is your 300th episode bubba this is such an achievement this Thank is you. ridiculous. I don't like. I remember you sent me this. And I kind of breezed past what number it was, and then I see the thing on the bottom now. And like, how is this not like? Hey, I'm doing my special, you know, 300th episode. This is a huge deal, man. This is awesome. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, I thought about doing something like that, but I figured, you know, Nick Pollock is a great way to do 300. Oh, and I keep stop it. And I keep telling myself, it's like every every you know milestone hundred or whatever. I keep telling myself, oh, I'm going to wait. I'll do it at 500. 
And I'm just telling myself that. Then, then you start thinking inside. That's 200 more episodes. <laughs> I mean, okay. So, how long have you been doing this? I started probably about three and a half, four years ago. But I started going really heavy about a year and a half, two years ago. So, I mean, so my assumption is just like one a week, but no, it's, it's more uh, than that. Yeah, it's usually two a week. If it's really good going baseball, I'll go three a week. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, that's not easy to do guys at all. Uh, and, uh, and fa- I mean, fast and I were actually, we just recorded 198. Yes. So we, I mean, I don't know if you remember, like I highly doubt it. Uh, when we had our 100th episode, we had our first live podcast where we like gave away a few things mm-hmm. like the Blake Snell blueprint that Yancey was like, I need it. Oh, so yes. I, I, so, so he sent him one. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're thinking for 200 of doing like a, um, just inviting everyone we can think of <laughs> to be um, like, Hey guys, like, I just want all of you to stop in whoever wants to stop in for this podcast. Like say hi, you know, we'll answer, we'll give you like one question. I don't know. Stuff like that. Like picture you, this like, cocktail hour. Let's go yeah, hang out for a bit. <laughs> like, let's just hang out and stuff for like yeah. an hour or two. PitchCon 2.0. Let's just go. (laughs) (laughs) No, I already know what the plan is for PitchCon 2021. I can't reveal it yet, but there will 100% be. It will be an annual thing, and you'll it'll make sense um, when that is fully announced. But I, I mean, look, I'm gonna say this, Bubba. You'd be surprised. I mean, you shouldn't be. Knowing you, you like for whatever reason you would be. But if like you know, if you were like, hey, if you want to do something like that, you easily could we would all love to for you man mm, yeah. like so, we'll so all right 400 or whatever 350 yeah whatever milestone maybe, maybe we'll do it at three we'll bring we'll on this loser, okay like do, <laughs> do a real thing okay okay we'll do a big one i promise we right, will. we'll do a big one we'll good. throw a party and, and i'll have to start with the answer or he'll be very angry so. you just do it like 301 just yeah. like really? there's one that was like a stupid episode so yeah Monday night. We're just going to do it Monday night. Let's just go. <laughs> there it is. Beautiful. Love it. Oh, that's great. Well, before we get into your your uh, forte pitching, mm-hmm. let's talk about what took place today. We did an awesome mock draft with a 12-man mock with uh, 12 great analysts, yourself, myself, and others. Well, you, me, and a bunch of other really good analysts took place in this and okay. raised money for a great cause. So first, explain the cause we raised money for mm-hmm. and how it links to your guys' uh, deal at Pitcher List and how people are embracing it and then we'll talk about the mock draft yeah so essentially um if you guys saw on twitter uh we put out a message our promise essentially that we're going to be better of course to be more inclusive people of color uh and doing what we can as a fantasy baseball industry to ensure that we you know we have more people more minorities represented as well as doing what we can of course for uh for minority communities and uh it was signed by a lot of industries or sorry a lot of people inside the industry and part of that is little things like we did today, um, where we hosted a mock draft with 11 talented people in, in the industry, including yourself, Bubba, of course. Very happy you were able to do it. Uh, we did a live draft for about two hours and change. I mean, it, it flew by. We did it in under two hours, but I mean, we stuck around after. But that was that's the fastest I've ever seen a 23-round draft. Um, there you go. That's the, that's the experts that we have. And I even included Chris Dowers actually losing internet for a good two minutes or whatever. <laughs> Amazing. But uh, we raised money for uh, the Dream Foundation. We are dream.org slash donate. Of course, if you want to donate to it, you really should consider it. Uh, they do a wonderful job uh, with youth development. They have programs uh, for all kinds of leadership skills. And they have 
uh, a whole baseball program where all the kids that go through it play baseball to learn those necessary kids and and to bond and to have good mentorship and leadership skills. All that stuff is it's fantastic. It really is. Um, and of course, it involves baseball too. So we absolutely love it on top of all of that. Um, we couldn't be happier to support. And yeah, we had a donation link during it. Um, we gave away a membership to PL Plus for those that did donate while watching, which is awesome. And we hope to do more things like that, of course, moving forward. Uh, because, I mean, this is stuff that we would do anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, we would, I would want to do an industry mock like this to just have, you know, have that base, like that, that foundation. Because I needed this. Yes. We all kind of need it. We're Big three weeks away and I still, I feel so rusty. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I still don't know what to do with so many players and positions. So we're going to do this anyway. Might as well also do it for a fantastic cause, of course. Um, so I'm really excited that we were able to, or well, really happy we were able to get so many great people together to do it. I'm looking forward to uh, doing more of those in the future. Yeah, it was awesome. Glad I got to, to be a part of it. And like you said, it's, you know, we've been talking strategies. You've been talking about it on your shows. I've been talking about it on mine. But one thing I keep kind of going back to is there's so many different ways to kind of game plan for a 60 game sprint. And yeah. that, it's just crazy. And this draft was a perfect example of it. Like, absolutely mm-hmm. perfect. There are so many different philosophies. And like we talked about it before the show, Bobby Sylvester goes and takes eight relief pitchers. Not closers, relief pitchers. Right. And uh, that was quite interesting. Um, anything really stand out to you? Like I told you, I'm still kind of gravitating and looking at it. And I'm going to write an article on it and everything. But uh, there were definitely like Mike Trout went fifth, everybody. Fifth. Stuff <laughs> See, like I that. completely understand that. Yes. Because, a lot of question marks there. I mean, because the thing is, if he does, which he should, as a, I 100% respect it, to be with his wife as she uh, she delivers, or like you know, of course, when she when she um, when his child comes to the world, obviously be there. Mm-hmm. And if he does that, that means he needs to miss two weeks because he needs to be in quarantine. Uh, that's a lot of the season, especially for your first pick and. I mean, I personally am going Christian Yelich. My whole staff, it's kind of funny. We have our staff leagues. It's relegation-based, if you didn't know that. It's amazing. Oh, that's outstanding. Uh, like, we have six leagues, and then, like, the bottom three and the top three would swap every year. It's like, what would you? what's, like, the dream thing to do if you have a ton of fantasy baseball people, right? That's like, awesome. that's it. So, uh, I, I'm obviously, I'm in, like, the we call it the Legacy League, which is essentially the, I guess, the, I don't know football enough. Is it championship or is it premier? What is, like, the number one league? Well, soccer, it's premier, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, I, I, that, that football. Soccer. That football. Yeah, yeah, is, it's football. Is, yes, yes, it is. Yes, football. European football is premier. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, that's our version of that. And uh, so I actually have the first pick this year, and I didn't say what it was for ages. Because like, Fast has the second one. Oh, and I wanted to make mess it with him the whole time. so long. Yes. And I've announced that it's Christian Yelich. I've announced mm-hmm. that. I mean, if he's listening to this, one hundred percent, it's Christian Yelich. But seriously, no, it is for me. It's Christian Yelich. Um, Acuna is second now, and it's interesting. Yancey took Bellinger third, and I that told surprised you, me a little bit. surprised me a little bit. I, I get it though. Yes, I one hundred percent get time it. With Trout, like to me, Bellinger is number three, um, or at least the ones after the the Holy Trinity. Uh, so yeah, I, I get it. it. It's weird, and it's those kind of things that we need to adapt to uh, for the shortened season. Um, with Mike Trout, the one thing I'm going to ask, because I haven't seen it officially anywhere, mm-hmm. I understand like the assumption that he's going to take uh, the 14 days, like it's going to be a, a, a requirement. Yeah. But you're looking at other sports right now, and 
there's other sports letting people back after like X amount of positive or negative tests and all these different things. So I, I, I would imagine it's still 14 days, but I've, I haven't seen it set in stone yet. For the other. I haven't, I haven't seen that either. And I've made assumptions too. For example, even though Carlos Carrasco is on the 60 yeah. man, I am not, I do not believe that he should play. I hope he doesn't play. Right. So I, I am not in any way assuming that he is mm-hmm. even with that 60 man. I, I, I'm like, as you said, exactly. I hope he doesn't because I don't want any way for, for Carlos Carrasco to be harmed by this. So, um, yeah, at, at this point, we're just kind of making those assumptions. You're totally right. But again, the right thing to do is a 14 day quarantine, uh, from my understanding. So, uh, I, I, I would hope they would instill that. Yes, and no, we're that, just, that, we're that, just that. it's important for us to never be upset at the rules based on these things because it's very like this is a real life thing. And we should understand that we're playing a game that's, just com- it's not nearly as important than everything else um as long as we understand okay cool this is the adaptations we need to make or uh, the way we need to roll with it and just not be angry about it that's that's, yes, the, that's the thing I, I constantly need to uh reiterate essentially as we're doing this it's going to be crazy because we're in an unknown thing um there's going to be guys that get positive test results that are going to miss time and you can't predict that and you can't get mad at that and that's just the way it's going to go. So the biggest thing we can hope for is no one gets seriously sick and hurt from this. That's oh, yeah. the that's the scary thing because it's one of those things. You know, agree or disagree with what what it is. The players want to play. Like you see them, the videos, like they're happy to be playing. You see them tweeting about it. It's just one of those things that it's just a kind of rough deal. But uh, let's keep it on a positive note here and go back to the mock draft. Pitching flew off the board. I yeah. flew off the board. Yeah. I know I had three starters oh, through six or six rounds, which is not normal for me. Um, over half, like almost three quarters of the guys had at least two pitchers through four rounds. Uh, we mentioned Chris Towers went Flaherty, Giolito, Glasnow, and Nola rounds three through six. Mm-hmm. How did that uh, go for you for a guy that likes to kind of wait on pitching? I mean, I okay, so I got Chris Paddock in the sixth, which is so weird because I've not drafted Paddock at all. I have no anticipation to draft Paddock. I was in the 12 spot out of 12 teams for the standard five by five roto, three outfielders, nine pitcher slots, two utilities, no middle infielders or corner infield, right? So I I normally wait until like the seventh round or maybe even eighth sometimes uh, to get my first starter. But here's the thing. I'm at the six, seven turn essentially. Uh, well, I'm sorry. So the fifth, sixth turn and then next round, seven, eight, but the seventh round really is the eighth. And I didn't really feel comfortable at that point going for the start, especially considering that so many flew off the board. So I looked at my list and I was like, all right, who's the highest ranked starter right now? And for me, it's Chris Paddock over Corey Kluber. Um, just barely, but that's, that's the case of it. And I found myself going Chris Paddock, and I, I felt kind of fine with the rest of the staff. I mean, getting uh, Wheeler, Bumgarner, and Gallon essentially. There's the eight nine turn, and then the the ten eleven. Like, how did you guys let me get Gallon finally? Yeah, maybe it's because it's not a pitcherless mock. I guess I don't know, <laughs> but I I'm happy to finally have Gallon on any mock. Um, but I also there's something that I think uh, as I, honestly as I was doing the draft, I thought more and more about um, that I I might be implementing more in my future list is. I remember back in March and February, I put a heavy weight on volume guys because I was like, you know what? We, we getting 200 innings is like a major thing. And uh, 160 versus 200 is a huge thing. I'm out. I wasn't giving enough credit to that in previous years. So I was pushing up your Lance Lynn and Bumgarner and Kluber and Granky a bit because of that. Then short season, I thought, okay, 
actually not so much because the, the the innings per start is actually not as influential in like you know the strikeouts per start or so or the or in the the ERA WHIP influence from that is not actually in my you know I didn't really feel that that was enough for me to push them up as I was before but now now there's a lot of talk of starters not going their full amount to start right like they're just yeah. going with the Braves it's like ah we'll go two three innings. No what? big deal. We're good. Don't worry about Why? it. Why? Why? Yeah. Like, don't do that. You have like you have such a short season. Don't uh, don't give us even less of them. So, so my thought process now is okay. Then I want I want guys that I I can see on teams where they're just gonna be like nah, go and do it. Like, who are the old rugged ones that would put up a stink if they were pulled after three? So Madison Bumgarner, there's one that stands out big time on your roster. Lance Lynn, I would say too, right? Like, I would say Kluber would be like, no, no, guys, I'm Corey Kluber. Hi, I'm going to pitch as long as I can, you know. So that's kind of where my mindset became. I think Paddock too would actually have a little bit of like the no, I guys, I'm the sheriff. I'm fine. Okay, (laughs) so I'm actually essentially my whole draft strategy now is ego pitchers. Ego pictures. <laughs> I, I need the ego guys, right? They're the ones sure. that are like, no, 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 no. I, I am dope, and I know that I'm dope, and we're going to do this. I'm not saying ego is a bad thing, by the way. Just so we're clear, it just means that you establish like you can do this, and you you trust in yourself. So I, I see that with Bumgarner, I see that with Paddock, I see that with Lynn, um, Wheeler, Gallon. I feel like the Phillies are just going to let him do it. They don't. They have such a weird back end to that rotation that they would let him go. Um, and it's also like the new prize, and they're kind of like, I want to show off the new prize. You can also argue like you don't want to damage it, but mm, I think that's fine. Zach Gallen, I couldn't say no to him. I yeah, do, I point, do feel a little bit like he might, he might be a little bit babied, maybe, but I hope not. I hope not. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm a big Gallen fan as well. It kind of stinks that this is happening the way it's happening because I think there will be some teams that limit their pitchers early. But at the same time, you can't limit all five in your rotation. That's just not going to be possible. So I think there's one or two at least in every rotation that you're good to go. Like, you know, the, everyone's saying that Dave Roberts is only letting them go three to four innings. No, I'm pretty sure Bueller and Kershaw are going to go five to six pretty right. much out the game. Yeah. David, Price, David Price is going to do David Price things. Yeah, exactly. They might get fishy with the back end of the rotation. But so even the Braves, I could see. You know, some of the guys like Fulton and some of those guys that the older guys going farther. Maybe baby Soroka and Freed for a couple, but it won't take I mean, long. That, that Braves like that. both though. Oh man, that killed me. Because yeah. like I, I would actually I think that Hamels is a really good last like late round fly. I don't think he was even drafted in this. I don't think he was either. Unless and he, was super late. he can get you an, a quick win in the first mm-hmm. week. But then that quote comes out that they'll say we'll push up to four or so in the first game. I'm like, oh my god. It's Hamels. It's a one-year deal. You, yeah, know, you have nothing to like, lose. Come on. You're going to get 11 starts out of him. Please don't do that. And Fulton Evich, too, I thought, I mean, man, I was really in on Fulton Evich. I had him in so many, so many drafts uh, in, in, in March because I think everyone's looking at that first half when he was really, he really lost the slider, went to the minors, and then fixed it. And he was someone that also would push 200 innings, I think, too, with, like, just not hurt you, essentially. Yeah. Obviously not going to be the 2018 guy, but you don't need to be to be effective. 
Um, and it's funny, you said um, something fishy with the rotation. Well, speaking of which, the Marlins, Caleb uh-huh. Smith. Your boy. Uh, he's, look, look, I know the famous discussion <laughs> that Spore and I had about him. Do you remember what it was about? I'm not 100%. I know it was some of the best arguing amongst friends on a live oh, podcast I have I, ever I heard. I highly disagree. It was, I was terrible <laughs> at it. Um, I just wanted, I, I just. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Um, but I, but no, it was about nine Caleb Smith starts, and really, yeah. and honestly, I should have. I really meant eleven. That's the season, and that's how he started last year. He came on our podcast, talked about his hip injury uh, limiting him, and when he came back, he wasn't getting the same velocity. He wasn't trusting his body as much. So now he's healthy, and. Even if it's the same, you know, same thing as last year. Well, that's nine eleven starts or whatever it is, nine or eleven. Oh, I should say it like that, nine or eleven starts that I uh, that he'll have of having higher velocity. And, and yeah, he was. I mean, Caleb Smith. I, I really want to emphasize this a lot because I think it's very important for people to understand how effective Caleb Smith was in the short term of last year. Outstanding. Uh, it was the first two months of the season. Um, in those eleven starts, a three ten ERA, eleven point eight K per nine. 2.6 uh 2.7 walk per nine uh with a uh, 0.97 whip that's a 34 percent k rate in there and sub eight percent walk rate i mean i'm really cool with that yeah, uh and the velocity is back so if it is back and that would be above 92 so 92 93 that's what you're looking for if, if we get summer camp and stuff i mean i put out this I put out a four thousand word article about all these things. So if you want to, awesome. if you want, oh thanks, thanks Casey. I, uh, if you want to read about what you should be monitoring between now and uh, and start of the season, go check that out at Pitcher List. I, uh, yeah, it's four thousand words, and it's really like I think I wrote that in like two and a half hours. If you can wow. believe that, wow. it was literally just like me at the keyboard, like Jim Carrey, <laughs> like uh, Gift Almighty or whatever. Yeah, and it was just like okay. Let's just spill it all out, you know. Um, so I, but yeah, that, that's certainly one element of it, and there's a lot more there too. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping Kayla Smith can do that. Yeah, I highly recommend checking that article out. Uh, I, I always talk about, I'm not the only one, but um, like Jeff Zimmerman does his mining the news, which is always mm. outstanding because this offseason is going to be, we're going to need it more than ever yeah. with all this yeah. stuff. And then when I saw your article, I was like, oh, this is amazing because we have so many pitching questions, so many, and we're not going to get all the answers. Oh, I got uh, all as much as I can. You know what? Ignorant me over here. Super ignorant. I I saw, okay, spring training or summer camp, whatever, starts July 1st. What I thought is that meant we'd get like a televised game, like a spring training game or something. (laughs) And I was so, I was like, oh man, I felt so stupid. I was planning this draft during the first day of when we'd have stuff on TV. (laughs) And then I write this article being like, Okay, we're gonna have all these games. I got to get it out before July first because then they're gonna see all this stuff. And then, and then I even like I actually even deleted a tweet from last night where I went on MLB.tv to see like July second what games were on, and they had like okay they had all these broadcasts. I was like, oh, I'm so happy. I get to see. It. I, I tweeted out an image of it saying I am so happy. And then in like five seconds, I realized it's just MLB not postponing the games of the regular season schedule. Oh my goodness. You know, like they still have the same thing. You know, if you go today, it was like all postponed. And I cool. and they haven't updated it yet for everything else. So ignorant me was like, wow, they're playing in Miller Park. Like, what? This is crazy. <laughs> I don't oh my lord. 
So, so it's far. gonna it's gonna be tough because they're only doing they each team can do a max three exhibition games and they're not right. scheduled. So it's like yeah. you got to call your buddies to go play. It's like when we used to live in the cul-de-sac or something. <laughs> it's 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 the sandlot. It's literally the sandlot. Oh, I love that. Yeah, oh, I love the sandlot. So. You sure he can't come out today? Exactly. <laughs> oh man, it's like we'll be home when the sun comes down. I promise, we'll be there. We don't have a catcher though. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, okay, so it's right. It's, it's squad games plus three exhibition. Yeah. So I mean, I hope the Yankees are doing it in Yankee Stadium, right? Like they have the whole setup. Well, that's what I've been saying. They still have all the MLB uh, like network cameras in there, the ballpark right. cams. They still have all the Statcast data in there. It's like let's go, let's let's figure yeah. things out here. Turn Man. the radar guns on. Let's figure it out. You, you guys like money because you can get TV money. Well, we obviously know they don't know how to utilize the fans' money because we were, we would have been willing to pay for a lot of things a long time ago. There, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, if yeah. I, honestly, if I had one wish in this world, it would be to have creative control of MLB. Oh, that would uh, oh, I would love to see that. Like, that would, would actually. I'm, I'm actually serious. Like everyone asked, what would be to fly or something like that? Yeah. Like. You have no idea how high I could fly if I could do. <laughs> I could be in charge of the creative control of the MLB. <laughs> What's what city would the MLB offices be able to be in New York since you live there? Or would you pick somewhere? There. Yeah, it's but would you pick somewhere? Else? Where would you want the offices? Obviously, New York. Okay. You know, I want it to be next door to my apartment. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Super easy. No, I, I wouldn't want to. Actually, I would want like the lucite tables and the glass offices, you know. So actually, you know what? Don't go in. Don't go here in Park Slope. Go to go to Manhattan or something where we can have those big, high rises and amazing looking the things. Views. Yeah, there not the brownstone next door to me. That's not <laughs> where we want to have an office. No. I love it. I love it. Uh, before we go on to the pictures, I want everybody just to remember: go check out the mock draft that we did. It's uh, yeah. it's really cool. Like so many players fell. It's, it was a, quite the eye-opener, and I'm really already looking forward to doing another one to see how things go because it was – yeah, it was different. It was good to do, though. Very, very good to do. Um, yeah, you check already, out, yeah, check out my Twitter if you're looking for that. So at PitcherList, this should be okay. one of the, the major tweets. Yes, go check that out. Uh, there's links to stuff. It, it's, it's definitely worth looking at. You've already mentioned some of your philosophies. We know you like to wait on pitching, and then things change a little bit in this draft. You're going to use – you're looking at kind of those old ego guys – do you foresee as um, – I like the way you phrase it. You say it so much better than me. I just call them old guys that they're not afraid to throw their arms off, basically. So, well, I mean, Paddock, uh, though, isn't – you know, He's not that way. But see, right. they, they took them a while to unleash Paddock last year. So, like – That's fair. That's, that's our, a good point. It kind of concerns me a little bit. Well, okay, so it wasn't, though – like, they weren't, like, a pitches per start thing, though. Like, by the okay. end, he was pitching over 100. True. You know, 100 pitches in a game. So, I mean – I mean, it's the opposite of what I think about Lance McCullers. Yes. Because I think the Astros, like, they gave us 110, 120 innings or so, right? That was back in February. And I, w- I was so confused because I didn't know if that meant he goes for three months or four months and then they stop. Okay. Or is it they goes for a month and then they, like, stop him for a like, skip him a couple times? Or is it we're just going to limit you to 80 pitches in this game? Which actually, I think they would likely do of all those scenarios, just make them go five innings or something like that. And I think, in general, when it comes to pitcher control, it is more so about stressful pitches inside of games and not pushing them when you don't have to. That's when it actually starts to have damage because you're just not giving the arm enough time to heal as you as you go again. 
So it's not about like going 25 starts and not going at 26th. It's actually making sure those 24 beforehand are good enough for that 25 or like pitch, you know, limiting. So I think that's how the Astros would do it, which means that it's the anti-ego. It's the id. I don't know. It's, I'm not <laughs> do that. Uh, but yeah, that's Lance McCullers is still someone I'm kind of avoiding because I don't think he's going to go six innings often. No, I like that because I know some people have, have changed their mindset on him thinking the opposite. Which, but your, yours makes a lot of sense because, A, you'd expect the Astros to be contending for the playoffs or in the playoffs. So they might want him for the postseason. That's, and, a, that's a great point too, yeah. Yeah, they're going to want him. Plus, the Astros always have that depth. Like we already talked, you know, they got Josh James, they got Rikidi, other options there that they can use and, and right. kind of piggy, uh, piggyback. Uh, so, Fort Whitley after seven games. Yeah. Uh, they have um oh man oh, actually actually it's different for Horace Whitley he's actually showed up for like a brief moment didn't he I think and I think so. was it wait oh I shouldn't I should remember this uh, he got suspended right uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, no he has I don't think he ever made his no he never made a he, debut he never did. all right so we got away seven games um for Forrest Whitley he's but um Amber Valdez you also have um Austin Pruitt who they have yeah. actually have even said that they wanted to uh start okay. in Houston so yeah it, it's kind of weird I mean with Rikidi and Josh James too um I find myself not chasing either one of them because of that plethora of options like you have Verlander and Grinky as you said and they're, they're gonna throw in and then yeah. yeah yeah so that'll be interesting and that's I think that's one of the ways to kind of break it down now is almost you can make your rankings, and then we'll get into yours because yours is uh, the list, and we'll get into that. But I think part of it has to be a team-by-team basis because they're all going to run things differently. It's so much more than just 162 games. We're going to get these guys. We kind of know where things go. Right. There's so much more strategy involved than just, hey, this guy's better than this guy. <laughs> it's, yeah. so, it's so weird to do it yeah. that way. What is, uh, what is this world? <laughs> But yeah, it's yeah everything, 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 and, and we are halfway through it today. Halfway through twenty twenty. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, it's wild. I mean, it won't. None of this will really truly return to normalcy until we have vaccines and stuff, and that it's hopefully. I mean, cross our fingers. That's January and and February with the Oxford trials. So yeah, let's 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 hope we'll let's go for that, play. and we don't have to deal with any of this for for baseball twenty twenty one. I mean, I just hope that everyone still loves the sport by then. Yeah, hopefully that's they my, can. You know, I'm not that's, that's that the, granted. Yeah, that's the biggest reason why, as foolish as it may be to play, that I'm glad they're trying to play because I think they need to try to bring some glimmer to this year from all the damage they caused. It's like you got to do something. That was yeah, important. I mean, again, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm with you. Um, let's talk about the list though. List uh, we call it 2.0. The 60 game shortened list came out. Yeah, that sounds good. I like it. Year, your hundred top pitchers and, and your explanations and all that good stuff. First off, how often do you plan on updating it in this craziness of the summer camp? Yeah, right. Um, when I feel like there's a major thing to discuss, I mean, what I've done in the past is always kind of weird when I put out the initial rankings in February and then I wait and there's always things that change. And there are, it's kind of funny. There are always a couple people that I get upset that I change things before the, even the season starts. Because it's like, well, how are we supposed to take your rankings with any sort of face value then? Which is a really good point. There's also the fact that we get a lot more information and then it's just not good for me to to not report on that information and to have like uh, outdated stuff. So 
Uh, what I've done in the past and what I think I'll probably do with this is in like two weeks or so, put out just a, a list of guys, not the actual updating of the list, but just players that I'm likely going to shift instead of doing a full on update. Um, I'm probably also like, look, I'm going to pull up these guys and then push down these probably and explain why. And then I'll do a proper update to the list on the Monday before the start of the season, as I as I often do. That makes a lot of sense. Like I, I released my my positional rankings and everything today for this new ramp up, and I already realized that I, I had so many typos and just I had Joe Musgrove in there twice and all kinds of good stuff. I blame Toby for that. But um, so, Toby, so, we were yeah. talking about this beforehand. Yeah, uh, you guys need you guys need to t- talk about this at uh, next first pitch whenever we get to have that. That's going to be a conversation right there. I mean, um, okay, I I absolutely love Batflip Crazy Toby. Yep. What we recognized before this podcast started was that I am the anti Toby yep. because I don't do pocket aces. I wait on it completely, so that understood right away. But then, of course, his name is Batflip Crazy. I'm about pitchers, of course. I'm pitcher list and. I mean, what's what? What I always say: don't draft a Toby, right? Yeah. And so I, I'm just anti-Toby. Yes. It's and a it's so, it feels really weird saying that because I love the guy <laughs> so much. He's amazing. Yeah. And but I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm anti-Toby. That's all. Yeah, it was Please. such a. It was so funny. So good. <laughs> so good. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd love to see how <laughs> that all plays out. So we we already kind of hit on we're, we're we're waiting on more news. You know, we, we, there's certain guys we know with that we think will go longer in games. They kind of get a little bit of a boost going into drafts and whatnot. I think as news comes out, I think it's a good idea you have putting your, your, your kind of guys you're moving around without putting a list. Cause I, when I put my list, my rankings out, I said, okay, guys, this is going to be fluid. Like if a bunch of news comes out, I'm going to update things yeah. because there's going to be so much craziness. It's like certain teams will be way more talkative than other teams. And it's just, we don't know what we're going to do. It's like literally deciphering a Rubik's cube out there. Yeah, so I mean, it's crazy. So we should all just collectively understand that yes. we should be embracing the chaos, yes. right? Just just recognize that. Look, we don't know anything. I mean, we say that all the time. Mm-hmm. We do not know anything, but yes. we really don't know anything yeah. this year. You're in a it's, dark, dark void right now. Oh man, and it, it's. I mean, I'm so excited. I, I I think I said this on the other podcast um, with with Fast last night on the on the corner and. The SP Roundup is something that I'm just so excited to do again. <laughs> I, I really, really am because, that, I mean, that's such an identity for me at this point. Like doing it for six months straight for, uh, I guess it's five consecutive years that I've done that. And then a part of 2014. And I, and I, I am going to be so ultra focused on that this year. Because I think the, the importance of an article like that is heightened in a shortened season. Where you need to know, I mean, we all really need to know if this start is legitimate or not more than ever. I uh, well, real quick, real quick, you, you wait, real quick, you say that, and I was going to ask you, but this is this is a good time for it. When we have a full season, yeah, we have the ability to like look at stat cast, look at velocities, look at things, and go, okay, a couple starts has shown this reaction, maybe right. he's off. We don't have that this year. So how are you going to go about, like, I know it's obviously in the end a case-by-case basis, but how do you think you're going to, like, know when to pull the pin? You won't. (laughs) Uh, I can tell you that right now. What I'm going to try, what I'm going to say, and this is often what I say, 
um, like in the SB roundups and stuff and said, and say like, look, if he were to have a breakout, this is what it looks like. He just did the things that would dictate it. The crazy thing about pitching is what we talk about a lot with Jack Flaherty. And it's the word that I think we should be using the most with him is rhythm. He was in rhythm last year. We never truly thought that Jack Flaherty wasn't capable of having a game like he did in the second half. He was just so locked in that he did that game all the time. And it's essentially so we're going to watch a game. And it's, it's so important I think the biggest distinction for me when I get into say like I love this guy or I don't, and I as you certainly know, I've been wrong many times. We all are. <laughs> I I get excited because I see I see him perform at a level that showcases, okay, this is the level that he can be at. And pitching like this does mean that you have success. There are a lot of times that guys have good lines that aren't actually related to them changing and, and pitching at their best. Yeah. So that's the distinction that I think we're, we're going to have to lean on more uh, for this season. And it's not going to work every time, but it will certainly give us a better edge. If, and if you're asking like, what is it during the start that will highlight that? Well, uh, I mean, it, it's part of the reason why I started using CSW and stuff is saying, look, we can quickly point without even watching to watching the start. That slider was obviously better today. Because it had a 40% CSW rate, which is, which is well above average for sliders. And normally his is kind of like a 28%. And, but here, he was cruising with it. He was throwing it low a ton. He wasn't hanging them up. That's what it looks like when he has success. Do I know if he's going to do that next time? No, but it's, I would imagine it's a better chance now after doing it once. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of stuff that, uh, that we can lean on a bit. It's about individual pitch performance um, inside of a game. Um, I'm going to do everything I can to, I don't know. It's kind of funny. Like I'm in quarantine. So I, so no one really cared about my social life before now <laughs> in the next two months or three months, I guess, because we're not at the season yet. I'm going to be focusing so much more on watching everything. And I can imagine myself, people saying like, Oh, why didn't like, why are you busy now? As opposed to before I'm like, guys, guys, I gotta, I gotta do this. This is, this is it, you know? So I'm I'm going to make those sacrifices because I mean I'm obviously we're all starting sacrifices. You know? <laughs> I got to watch baseball. I, I, it is. I mean that's. I mean, look, I I have um I've made it a thing over like multiple years now. In October, I watch every playoff game now. I felt there was there was a time when you know I'd get pulled in all these directions. You're in New York City. There's a constant tug here, and I uh, I would say okay, you know what? I'll watch one and then like I'll read about the other one later or whatever. And I just felt I was doing myself almost a disservice. Like, I need to know what's going on. I need to be able to talk about this the right way. I need to see all of it. So I tell my friends, like, October, so sorry. Like, if you want to hang out with me, you got to come and watch a game with me. That's awesome. You know? Uh, so it's, it's, so, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, like, for this, like, sorry, guys. Like, we haven't had anything. Yep. I'm watching, like, everything now. No, I get it. Because so. I, I kind of like that aspect of the season because I've said it forever the way I analyze things as I keep embracing stats as best as I can. But I used to just be more of a field guy. I, put, I played the game not long as long as you, but I played for a while. I, like you said, rhythms, like as a hitter, there's slumps, there's this, there's that. There's parts of the game that you can't just analyze in numbers. And right. I think that'll be something that we could see by watching games this season. That could be, could be very interesting. I'm with you hundred percent on that yeah. one. 
you know, like a great example of rhythm is you can kind of, I, I, I this is going to be so annoying for people because it sounds like such pseudoscience. Um, and I'm sorry, but a great example for me is a guy that's like in and at bat and it's a typical, like he strikes a guy out on a two, two pitch or something. Right. But inside that at bat, like the, he throws an O2 pitch that is just like slowly taken. And like the guy just barely doesn't swing at it off the plate or something, right? It's one, two. And then he throws a two, two pitch that is actually somewhat of a mistake, but then you can see the pitcher be upset at himself mm-hmm. because he was like, guy, I'm, I'm in such a rhythm. Like how could I allow myself to do that? Yeah. You know? And then he goes out and he throws the same pitch again and executes it as he should have and gets it right. They're like little things like that. When you can just see like, okay, this guy is just absolutely killing it right now. And it, it was really funny. We, um, we do like classic games of the day during this quarantine um, uh, inside of our discord. Uh, if you want to join that, join Pitcherless Plus. It's amazing. Yeah. Pitcherless.com slash plus. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> you really should be there. It's the best place on the internet. Um, we, we would have games that we would all watch together. And we watched the Pedro Martinez's, I think it was a 17 strikeout game. Maybe it was 19. I don't know. It was something ridiculous against the Yankees back in 98 or 99. Uh, and I had never, I actually really hadn't sat down and watched Pedro in a long time for like an extended period, you know, for his full game. And in that game, I think the thing that really stuck out to me the most, and you can really, I think the the best pitchers out there have this quality. It's if you miss a pitch, you throw it again. Yeah. Like it's, you do not, you have such confidence in your stuff that I threw a bad one there. I know that I can tweak it and I'll get this guy out. He, I knew it. It was, it was such an amazing thing. He faced Chili Davis in that game. It was, uh, they, they lost because one nothing because of Chili Davis hitting a solo shot, I think, or it wasn't a no hitter or something like that. Maybe they, they won two one or something. I don't know. He allowed one hit the entire game. It was a Chili Davis solo shot off a fastball that he missed. It was supposed to go away. He went too far middle, and that was it. He needed to get Chili Davis out on a fastball in the next at bat. <laughs> like, he refused. Like, anything. if he threw a change, if he could easily, he would have done it. It would have been over. No, he had to get him out with a heater. And so many pitchers would say, oh, my God, I just, I just allowed a home run down the middle last time. Like, I don't have confidence doing that against Chili Davis. Like, look, I know I can throw three change-ups, and I'll swing at all three, and I'll be fine. Not Pedro, not the guy, not like the best guys. They are so confident that they are in rhythm that they're willing to do that. It's those little things like that um, that I think can help us illuminate the difference between what's on the page and what's on the screen. No, that uh, makes a ton of sense. Uh, That makes a ton of sense. And Pedro is great at that. So that's definitely something to, to definitely look at. People, if there's listeners, younger people on this show, that never got to really sit and enjoy a Pedro start. I recommend doing it. Really, like he he was amazing. Like he was literally amazing. It was ridiculous what he could do. It it, it was. Uh, I mean, I hadn't done it. I really hadn't done it, and I was so happy that uh, that we did for that. It was. It was. Yeah, it's special. All right, let's talk about some of the guys on your list here because uh, I'll give you this much credit with everybody saying you know these guys are falling these this this year. These guys are rising. Your overall like heavy fall list was not that heavy, so I, I, I was very impressed by that because I was going through your pluses and minus. I'm like, that's eh, not too bad, but you did have some serious risers, and then just some guys I had general questions on because sure. you you tier it out nicely, and and you know the top tier guys that's pretty captain obvious stuff to me. 
you can make arguments in a bunch of different directions. Like I'm not going to tell someone they're right or wrong here. But in tier three, I am curious because you moved Blake Snell up six spots. And I get the fact that we've been off for a while. Um, and he's kind of, he had that, that shoulder injury and he had an injury last year, all that good stuff. But you moved him up. Are you confident? Are you are you good with 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 his health and everything? Or um, is this more just a Blake Snell's Blake Snell and we have to trust him? So here's the thing. Um, you're only as good as your information, True. right? This is, uh, if you remember The Wire, you're only as good as your Great informed. show. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's important to understand who you put faith in for that information. I 100% trust Stephen Lyman. Uh, he works at HSS, that is the Hospital of Special Services, a huge, huge hospital here in New York City. Uh, he's currently off in Japan. Unbelievably nice guy. I got to meet him at Arizona and first pitch and uh, he was uh, he was on PitchCon as well, where we sat down for an hour. And this is a podcast that we were planning to do. He was going to come by to to record it with me. And of course, COVID happened and he went back home. And I uh, and we want to just go through all these injured players, because I would say something that I certainly struggle with because I don't have that information about mm-hmm. what does an injury mean and how does it affect your body? How does it affect your ability to perform? What is a general healing period? Is it something that lingers? Is it not? All that stuff that we kind of throw around that um, I personally didn't really know how we should be applying it, right? Mm-hmm. And Chris Dowers actually today during the mock draft was saying, I think as an industry, we put too much of a weight on injury stuff. And I, I lean to agree with him yeah. because I sat down with Lyman and obviously went through all these major guys. I, I've seen I've seen some rankings that pushed down Verlander and Clevenger really, really far because they had an injury. And I went straight to him. I was like, okay. Scherzer too, by the way, but which we were discounting initially because we were like, hey, well, how's that back and stuff? Mm-hmm. I went through all of these. And you can watch it. I have the receipts. So you can, it's on YouTube. It's Pentagon, okay? And Blake Snell said, no, 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 no. He removed loose bodies. Okay, remove, remove loose bodies from his elbow. That's only going to help him. Okay. It's not something that affects him moving forward. If anything, it makes him better because he doesn't have those loose bodies. Uh, he should be totally fine. It's healed up completely. Everything is essentially you go in you do this. It's got to just have the, the basic healing returned. It's done that. He should be fine. And I'd say the more the question of Blake Snell is honestly, is he going to be able to throw his curveball and slider for a strike like he did in 2018? Because the zone rates dropped. Like they plummeted on those pitches, forcing him to throw more fastballs and curveballs and changeups for strikes, which meant they got burned more often. So the, the beauty of Blake Snell was having a curveball and slider you can throw for a strike and then when he needed to not throwing him for a strike and it just threw guys off completely and also having a very good changeup in the fastball that last year had an increased swing strike rate but it's because he had to throw it in the zone about 10 percent more often and then it got guys more comfortable looking for it and they would go after it a bit when it was up so that's the bigger question for me. Back in February I was like oh I'm I have no idea what's going on with Blake Snell. He's I'll put him at 17 or something. Then I'm like, okay, he's fine. He's up to 11. Justin Verlander, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, the, the groin injury, the tear. Lyman's like, no, no, he's, he's got all this time to rest. He's fine. Like, There's nothing, there's no problem here. So if you were down on Verlander before, that's okay. But if you weren't, you shouldn't be now. Yeah. Um, Clevenger, we, he was actually really concerned in March when I, or in, in, yeah, in first pitch Florida, saying like, look, he is recovering too quickly on this knee. There is no one that should be able to pitch like this after after the surgery he had. But now 
Well, that's been months. And even if he overworked it before, doesn't matter. He's healing it now. He should be fine. So Clyde goes up to six. Uh, and then uh, the last one there, actually, I think that's all of the major injured ones. But uh, that's the, I mean, that's where I'm coming from with this. I very much trust Steven Lyman. He's an absolute expert in the field. Uh, and this is, I think that's the kind of stuff it's, I understand like the, the haze of injuries, right? Like there's this idea of, Hey, Rui has a knock against him. Like, why wouldn't I use that as a, as a tiebreaker essentially? Um, because I mean, I think it's not as actually as, uh, impactful as you'd think. Yeah. Verlander and, uh, Clevin draws a hundred percent good with once they had this, this time off, you know, there's reports that, that Verlander was already starting to pitch off a mound and everything. I'm like, that's fine. He'll be good. Yep. He's a workhorse. He just he it's his, his mentality. He's he's not gonna if he's on the mound, he's fine. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Not a concern there. Clevenger, I kept telling everybody, well, it's his knee. Like, and yes, he was coming back too soon earlier. Like that was scary watching him already on a mound. But now then he got to kind of slow things down and properly get ready. Then you see the videos, because like you said, we can only go off the info we had, and I've said it on many shows. Guys hitting in cages that their friends are recording, pitchers pitching on mounds in the desert, like whatever. That's all we had. Yeah. So like I'm going off what I have, and Clevenger looks pretty good throwing off a mound right now. Like I'm good with that. Right. Um, Snell, I haven't seen a ton of. I've seen him play a lot of video games, so that's why I've just been kind of like listening to the way he talks about you know getting ready for next year and all this. I don't know, but I'm with you. He's going to be ready. He'll be good. I just I don't know. There's something. If it's just loose bodies, I was I was under the impression it was much worse. So that's no. That's it's, it's just that that's he good. removed loose bodies from his elbow. He's, okay, he's good. Was there a possible other injury? Did he mention James Paxton at all? Uh, he did. Um, I think he was okay with it for the most part. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was. He was saying, "Oh yeah, I'd, I'd be drafting James Paxton." Okay, uh, cool. So, I mean, that's that's fine with me. I still have my reservations just about Paxton. Sometimes needs to ease in. He's a little more volatile in his ups and downs, and uh, there isn't a long enough season for him to weigh weather the storm if it's arriving there soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a little less faith, I think, in him than the other upside plays. But man, I mean, I I've been a fan of Paxton for as long as I can. Essentially, I remember having him him having five starts in the fall one year, and then was it 2013 that he had those five starts, maybe, and then getting so excited when it was the pitcher gift days in 2014. Oh man, it all began. We're uh, all began. the big game shut down. Game. Yep, that's yep. why we're pitcher gifts Inc. By the yeah, way, it's because that, started with that, and then became as pitcherless in 2015. Yeah, I like pitcherless a lot better. I think that's a good thing. Um, you mentioned Hungjin Ryu. He rose 18 spots for you. Yeah, and I have a feeling we have similar sentiments on why I rose him also. Okay, and it's a full season in the AL East terrified me. Like really did. Uh, I know that he's also. Again, we just talked about you shouldn't worry too much about injuries. Ryu, like really really performed phenomenal last year i'm not gonna say outperformed but he was way ahead of the normalcy and yeah. we haven't even put a full season together and going to the al east like all these things just factored into it now it's a shorter season and we know he's going to take care of some innings is that what did it for you or what moved up ryu for you i mean yeah you pretty much said it i like the concern was 150 innings and then where am i going to get those um they the blue jays even said hey we're planning for 150 innings it, it like it was such a funny thing to me because I was so down on him. I was like, "Oh no, how are you so down on him?" I'm like, "I don't think he's going to go for many innings." And then the Blue Jays like, "Yeah, we don't think so either." I was like, "Thank you, it's fine." <laughs> no, but I 
But right, so now you have 90 innings or whatever it'll be. Um, if even that 80 innings, uh, and that's fine. That's cool. I found myself saying like, what, look, look, would I rather have Kyle Hendricks or Hyunjin Ryu over the same innings or the same amount of starts? Mm-hmm. I would rather have Ryu. It's pretty much the same, but a better strikeout rate. Ryu still had a 23% strikeout rate last year. It wasn't the 20% or 21% of Kyle Hendricks. And I know I'm, we're not excited about the turf and we're not excited about the infield defense of the Jays. And yeah, you're still going to get a lot of the, the AL East, and it's not like the um, well, the Braves go to the Central, right? And then the I, um, I think it's the East stays in the East, Central stays in the Central, West stays in the West is what I was under the impression. But it's completely all the way through. See, so, yeah, we don't know yet, right? We, no. I think that's the impression because they're trying to limit as much travel as possible. But right. yes, we do not know everything. But yet. I think they had like some swap with the Braves and someone else, and I can't remember who. That was, I think, like the second or third plan that was in place this okay, year. But that wasn't all right. I don't Same. think it was the final thing. This is the chaos. I'm embracing it. Yes. I'm giving it a hug. It's all right. I got some cocoa. You want some? It's fine. <laughs> no marshmallows. Come on. Uh, you don't need that extra sugar. All right. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but anyway, I with Ryu, then it's, uh, I mean, I, I just think honestly that he's not as bad as like a four-year-a guy. I don't think he regresses all the way there. I think he should be fine and he should be productive for, for ERA. Not to mention the Blue Jays will certainly let him pitch. He's an ego guy to me, um, if you want to call it that. I, and the bottom of that rotation is more in question. So I don't think they need to baby him for the 11 starts or whatever it is. That made me push him up a lot. Yeah, I think it goes back to the talk we had earlier about every team's going to have a couple guys they just have to let pitch. Right. That's exactly. the way it goes. And Ryu, like you said, they paid him. He's a veteran. You let him pitch. That's yep. just the way it's going to go. So I, I'm with you there. Uh, let's go back to the fish. Uh, just I'll keep saying the fish just to make Rob Silver happy. Um, we talked Caleb Smith. We talked Caleb Smith earlier. Sandy yeah. Alcantara was he rose four spots for you. He's been a guy that I've really been intrigued by this whole offseason. This way too long offseason. Uh, we saw great pitch mix changes in the second half. What I loved about him going into a full season is the fact, even though the K rate wasn't great, second half it was much better. But he ate up so many innings. And yeah. I think finding a guy late in a draft eating innings like that is A, very rare, and B, very awesome. So now in the shortened season, you moved him up four spots. Are you still as excited of, of Alcantara for the same reasons, or is there anything else that might uh, tickle your fancy? Well, so so in general, by the way, everyone past 30 increased two spots because I had to remove Syndergaard and Carrasco. Okay. Um, I mean, obvious reasons for both there. But everyone got an innate plus two because of that. Um, but uh, but yeah, so then, so then essentially, I don't think I moved up Alcantara. I think there was a couple guys. I was like, you know what? I'm not actually feeling them. Uh, and I don't remember who they were. But <laughs> uh, but essentially, I mean, with Alcantara, I, I will say that I am, I am more excited than I was. It's like I have this endless battle about what fastball I like. It used to be two seamers. Let's go. Let's get those ground balls. Let's have a great time. That was 2015, Nick, 2016, even like Joe Ross, my man, you know, I'm oh, like, loving that. Right. And I've since gone like the pendulum has swung so far. I'm like only four seamers. How dare you throw a sinker? <laughs> now I understand that in, in at heart. Um, so I was essentially like, okay, I would love ground ball rates. I hate fly ball rates. Then I was like, okay, I hate ground ball rates. I don't care about them. 
Now I'm kind of like, you need ground balls and whiffs. Like if you're able to induce a lot of whiffs and a lot of ground balls, that's actually a winning combination. Mm-hmm. But I uh, like, so you can have ground balls as long as you get those swing strikes too. So I'm not necessarily against like he had a 45% ground ball rate last year because that's a power sinker. And he had an 11% swing strike rate. And I think that Alcantara's sinker is legit in the sense that it's 97, 98. And I mean, that can still be fine. You know, that can, that can still do things with it. He also has a four seamer that isn't absolutely terrible from my understanding. <laughs> that's a ringing endorsement, everybody. You know, 7% swing strike rate on it. I don't know. I it was it was fine, but I mean, I think there were adjustments to be made. Um, the Marlins. <laughs> I had an interview with Zach Gallon. I still need to write um, after like nine months or whatever. Um, but I uh, he was saying that the Marlins are improving their analytics team, uh, and he, that might have been his PR way of saying like they're not that good and they could get better. But I, so I, I, will, <laughs> I will believe that he's actually saying like no, I think they've made some good changes and stuff, right? So I can imagine, I mean, Caleb Smith told us, like, no, we like fourth seamers up. We like fastballs up. Don't you dare throw a fastball down. because Music to your ears. Yeah. I was like, oh, yes. So maybe Alcantara starts doing that and moves away from that sinker, but it goes towards that. But the cool thing about Alcantara is that his sinker had a 32% O swing. I love that. That's so good. That means, essentially, guys are making contact with it inside a lot. Not to mention 11% swing strike rate on a sinker. You don't see that. No. You you really don't. Um, so that's why I had a near 12 P-Val last year. Um, and it's kind of funny. In my head, I'm like, oh, P-Val kind of sucks, though. It's all run expectancy stuff. And run expectancy, like, I want to know more about the pitch itself. But whatever. That's another tangent for another time. Uh, but, like, I, I think Alcantara has actually a decent foundation there. And his, his slider and his changeup can improve. Like the changeup, seventeen percent swing strike rate, that's lovely. Uh, zone rate is high on the slider, forty eight percent, but kind of low, fourteen uh, percent swing strike rate for Alcantara's slider, and there may be room for growth there. I can imagine this working out in the short season. I think also he could be innings eater, like you were saying. Uh, so I'm I'm all right. Like he's in that group of like the upside guys that I'm considering at the end of drafts, and we'll see how that goes. That brings me to the next guy. You're talking upside guys. He's ranked just below Alcantara, and I've heard you talk about him. It's just so hard for me to get excited for a player on the Orioles, sorry, fast, and against those AL East lineups that he's going to face a lot of, a lot of very powerful right-handed hitters in those lineups. But John Means, we saw him make it work for a little while. It's the, the end of the year, not the greatest that we wanted to see, but you seem pretty optimistic still on Means. What's your takes on him? Well, I think the the AL justifies the means. No, I'm just kidding. I, no, it does not, though. It really doesn't. Um, but anyway, I, his changeup's really, really good. He also talked about his curveball improving uh, over the winter. And I think that's a pitch that honestly can be something. Uh, if he, I mean, it's essentially a slider is what it's classified as. Um, 40% zone rate, 13% swing strike rate. But really... Uh, if you look at some gifts of it when it works, it's like really nice. Uh, and if you pair that with a fastball that actually surprisingly did well at just 92 miles per hour, um, and obviously an amazing changeup, I think there's something there. The Orioles are going to win some games. Might as well be means when he's on the mound. So I know wins are kind of like this weird topic right now mm-hmm. because it's A of, I mean, like you're not going to get very many. 
Mm-hmm. So the necessity of getting them is bigger than ever. Uh, but there's also of going through five innings with the lead. And like how many middle relievers are going to get it, right? And so, I mean, I know you're worried about John Means getting it, but also it's, wins are going to be so strange yeah. that I really wouldn't be too concerned about that. When you're drafting, it's like you can't you can't predict wins when you're drafting. It's kind of kind of rough idea on what you have going on there. How are you approaching wins in your draft? Are you going for certain pitchers on certain teams, or are you maybe going the Bobby Sylvester route, getting a bunch of relievers that could right, get right. you wins? Like, there's so many ways to draft this year. That's what makes it fun. But what are you going to do? What well, at least what's your plan for now? I would say like I would only think about wins until the last rounds. Because because yeah. uh, then I think we were talking about beforehand, maybe it was during this, like Cole Hamels for one year, right? Yeah. Like that, if he, I would be looking at the schedule when it's finally released. We'll have an article breaking down the first two weeks of the schedule saying like, hey, these are guys that you maybe you want to consider drafting because you can stream them the first week or two. Um, you will be able to steal some wins then. Yeah. Uh, like you might say, oh no, Spencer Turnbull, he's on the Tigers. I don't want that. Well, what if he's playing the Royals in that first week? That might be a win you could steal. You know, uh, there's there are going to be a lot of those uh, early on, and I'm going to be looking at guys. Jay Happ is one too. If they're getting the Orioles in that first week, I mean that's it's tremendous. That could be a good win, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, not someone I would endorse for the full year, but th- that's how I'm going to see because I'm going to be drafting too many starters, and I'm going to be with the anticipation of streaming and still trying as best I can to be doing the the, the burn and churn, whatever you want to call that. Because especially in a 12 teamer, if you're not confident with your lineup and your hitting lineup, I feel, I don't know, this is the year where you need to be like set in stone with that because it's 60 games. Like you don't have enough time to really shift. So you got to feel better about them in the draft. But then in pitching, well, there is all these other things you can just throw at the wall uh, on the wire all the time. I say in normal 12 teamers, you can. Mm -hmm. Uh, And during the full season, I mean, now more than ever, you can actually squeeze out bench value because I mean, you can just swap in starts and not lose anything. So that that's kind of where I'm going at it with it. And when it comes to wins, I mean, if I really feel like I need that, I'll be focusing a lot about that first two weeks and kind of taking it from there. Yeah. Another, another angle on that is when it hits the waiver wire, you know, if certain teams are going to have their lineup pretty much locked in because they're all competing at the start of the year, there's it's a great chance that certain teams can make the playoffs. They usually don't make the playoffs. Yeah. So they're going to be going hard. But the pitching, like you said, is maybe some teams, maybe some starters. So there's some long relievers that all of a sudden pop out. As okay, right. they're going to have ratios, strikeouts. They might sneak in four or five wins this year. That's tremendous. Like yeah. that is crazy good. And then there's also some teams might all of a sudden go six man rotation. There's a lot of ways to go about. It. So it could be one of those years where pitching becomes much more available on the waiver wire. Yeah, which yeah. would be very interesting. So that sounds great to me. <laughs> that's that's right in your wheelhouse. Um, let's talk about a veteran who is going to Minnesota this year was injured, but, uh, he benefited from this late start cause he's good to go. I expect him to go five plus innings out the gate. At least that's my train of thought. And he moved up 18 spots, obviously, cause he's healthy now and more, but Rich Hill, I am a huge Rich Hill fan. Apparently everybody else is cause his ADP is going through the roof. He's pretty much almost out of draftability for me, according to ADP. Now in our mock draft, he much, went much later which is more my liking. But are you buying into Rich Hill this season? No. I'm really sorry, guys. <laughs> it's weird. Rich Hill is a very odd pitcher. Um, he's someone who uh, 
I don't know if you guys realize his last four starts of the year last year, he totaled 5.2 innings or 6.2 innings because I just weird with him. I, uh, it, it's, I don't know if he can be this good again. I mean, he's, he's dealing from it yet another injury uh, and coming back for it. And yeah, I understand be on the twins, be excited, but then just get Kenta Maeda. Okay. Just, just a much better option. Very true. Um, I think actually they went, somewhat close to each other um no richard went in the 15th and my eight away in the 10th okay i don't think i'm going for hill in the 15th though i I feel like it's too risky of a proposition i it's it's like i know we don't want to like talk about injury prone a lot and stuff but i mean man rich hill could very easily not season yeah you know uh so i'm i'm not really on it not to mention, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets that starting gig and he's actually just not that good anymore. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, I mean, how old is he now? He is 40. 40. Yeah, he's 40. He is 40. We're not here to age shame. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not, I, just, I, just, I just want people to really understand oh, that. I know. 40 like, is very old for pitching. This continues, like, this productive and especially coming off of an injury. And where you don't have necessarily the same feel of stuff, too. He only threw 13 games last year. The, you're like, oh, he's always injured. Well, no, the previous three, he had at least 20 starts and 110 innings in each of those, and only 358 last year. And it's just all concerning. So, I mean, if you're talking about the 15th round, uh, guys that went that round, well, earlier on, Mackenzie Gore and Luke Weaver, then Rich Hill. Andrew Heaney, who I still have some concerns on, but less so than Hill. Caleb Smith. Uh, afterwards, other names I would really look towards. Mitch Keller, Shaman Naya. Uh, we talked about Mike Fultonevich very briefly before. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, Spencer Turnbull. Toby's boy, Austin Voth. I would go for Hill about that, but you know. Uh, but essentially, it's... It's it's too risky of a proposition, I think, at this point, considering we also really don't even know where he's at at the moment. True. So, wow. Yeah, it's interesting. He's 40. Donaldson's late 30s. The boomstick just turned 40. Um, that's uh, quite, quite the twins go. If anybody needed a shortened season, could be the twins. Oh, but, um, Good point. Let's do a couple quick hitters real quick, and then we'll do the listener questions. Um, just real quick, I you got them ranked this way, and I want to just – if you're in – your draft. The end of tier one is Justin Verlander. Beginning of tier tier two is Walker Bueller. Yeah. Are you a hundred percent Verlander or Bueller in a draft? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's Justin Verlander is is absurdly good. Yeah. And I know that we like Walker Bueller, but he has no pitches that are as good as either Verlander's fastball or Verlander's slider. I'm glad you said that because I've been fighting that argument. I love Bueller. I'm a big. I believe this guy is the future of pitching. I know it's really Captain Obvious stuff, but. Uh, what Verlander can still do is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, two two Indians teammates, Clevenger, Bieber. I'm with you on Clevenger over Bieber. It's been a very hot topic for like the last multiple weeks. That, I think uh, Bieber should be. A, what, the, why do you separate yeah. them? The the the, uh, the coolest argument for Bieber is the fact that he went deeper into games last year than like any other pitcher. Yeah. Which is great. Bieber was a guy in rhythm though, uh, and I, I think that Clevenger's stuff is just kind of better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's strange. Clevenger's slider actually, like the thing that we think is really good with him, I uh, didn't have an O swing above forty percent or a zone rate over forty percent. 
kind of weird because I always talk about those as the thresholds for like that, those numbers being good and neither one hit it last season, but it was much better in 2018. Uh, and also Clevenger's best pitch is really his fastball, which is actually like on par with Walker Bueller's, hmm. which is crazy. And what's the main thing that Bieber doesn't have? Well, it's a good fastball. It's kind <laughs> of mediocre. Um, and I do wonder if Bieber overperformed a little bit. Uh, Derek Van Riper made a great point about being too worried about the whiff rates, uh, like the too whiff reliant that Shane Bieber has been with his slider and curveball, which is a, a, an interesting point. Um, one of the biggest changes he made last year was throwing his fastball, fastball lower the, to the lefties, but it was down and away for the most part, instead of down, uh, instead of middle and away. Uh, and that really helped him against lefties, which were always a problem for him. I don't, I don't know if that's really something that actually should facilitate a fantastic season from Bieber. And I think Clevenger's stuff is just more overwhelming. Uh, and he can, yeah, he, he, I think he's just a kind of a more solid bet. But honestly, like if you're going to go for a star, then fine. Bieber, Clevenger, you should be happy with either one. I have them uh, six and seven, I believe. Yeah, six and seven. Both very close. Bieber just, he, he concerns me. If he's not locating that fastball, he'll get ugly real quick, real yeah. quick. So. I mean, I know a lot of people talk about the command of Bieber, mm-hmm. the command. I don't act. It's it's weird because he has good control with it. He sometimes has good command with it, but the fact that he's choosing to put it where he is is odd. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not ideal, I think. So the the question is: Do I believe that he has the capability of changing that and getting better, or is it more of just kind of like this is what he does with it, and that's what he does with it? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll uh, see. You stay tuned. Same time, same bat channel. Um, Clayton Kershaw, he's a a topic right now. I like him a little more than usual because shortened season and like the back always concerned me, but I like him because I know I I feel starting the year he's going to go. Like that's one thing I'm I'm really happy about. Like you mentioned, you could steal a few wins early. Kershaw can do that. Plus, pitching for the Dodgers, you're going to get a lot of W's. That's just the way it's going to go. Maybe not him, but the team will get a lot of W's. So he'll be in line for chances. Mm-hmm. Are you a believer in Kershaw this year? Because there's been some negativity going his direction. Man, I just want to see how hard he's throwing. Yeah, that's that's very valid. Very that's very valid. that's the thing. Like he was talking about him going to drive line over the over the winter and trying to increase his velocity again. Like if he can just not be a 90 mile per hour guy, 91, 92, that that will help mask mistakes from him. It's I, I guess I'm not really a big Kershaw believer like I mean I have him in the top 15 I know some people probably have him outside of that um I haven't been in a position yet to draft him like this is the first time ever drafting Paddock I'm like whoa (laughs) crazy sixth round oh man wow people live like this um but I I I wouldn't say that I I like I see these drafts going and I I guess I see people that okay they're thinking they want a starter now yeah I would go with Kershaw if I wanted a starter then if that makes sense. Not so I'm not I'm not necessarily in a love fest. Like I don't think he's top ten. But I, I if I had to answer the question, do I think that Kershaw will have increased velocity relative to last year? I would say yes. Right. So I am in. I'm excited. Hopefully for a, for an improved Kershaw. All right, I'm good with that too. I like I have Kershaw and Darvish back to back. Two guys I'm very very happy with this season. Uh, the last quick hitter for you, Corey Kluber. You mentioned him earlier about the mock draft. Um, 
last year injuries and whatnot given it was a line drive he had no control over. Just gonna say that one. But um, going to Texas, new built, new new stadium, climate controlled, some things to look forward to there. Another innings eater. I know it's an it's a used term, but it's true. You haven't ranked 18th. That's a that's pretty high, and I'm not doubting it. But what's your reasoning behind having him up that high? I think that he's completely removed from a loft season, and this is a guy that was legitimately top 10 for ages, for ages, and then had a loft season. Uh, the Rangers also, yeah, they're going to let him go. They're going to let him do his thing. He has two unbelievable secondary pitches in his cutter and breaking ball. I'm going to call it a breaking ball because I don't think he knows what it is. Uh, it's And also, I mean, it's a two-seamer and a four-seamer, but um, they're fine. Like, they're always... Well, they're not fine. They're bad, but <laughs> they're good enough to support those two amazing secondary pitches. And I, I think, honestly, like, you're going to be trying to find a guy that's consistent. Look, I see a lot of people going after Glass now, for example, way ahead of him. And I mean, what what is the thing that we always talk about? Is just I want the 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 rock, the one that's stable and consistent and obviously good, and not chase. You know, as, as Rob Silver would tell me, the uh, the the squirrel, right? Um, and like you know, don't chase the new hot thing or whatever. Chase the thing that is like consistently amazing. Like yeah. I know you're worried about like the decreased velocity he had in April before the line drive and also the fact that he tries to rush back and he hurts his oblique. I get it, but I don't think that was like us being saved from the downturn of Kluber. I think it was more of just a, a little weird patch and then it'd be gone. So I'm very much in on Kluber. I think anyone that gets him is just going to be thrilled to have drafted such a high-quality pitcher as late as he's going. Uh, and you know, in the short season, will be like, oh yeah, wait, yeah. Wait, Corey Kluber, right, Klubot. Yeah, he's really good. Right, okay, cool. The Klubot, yes, the Klubot. I love it. Um, let's go to some listener questions here. You pretty much already hit on this, but we can hit on it real quick. John H. asks, he would love to hear more thoughts on the bullish ranking of Caleb Smith. Cheers. Oh, yeah. It's all about that velocity. Like, it dropped in the second half of last year. Yeah, that hip injury. He's healed from it. He even acknowledged it on our podcast. I got into that argument, 9-11 starts, right? 9 or 11 starts. Man, I got to say that or. Uh, <laughs> but I, but right, it's it's essentially, I mean, it's, a ha- it's that long of a season now. I think the increased velocity would come and that excites me. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, Richard Sands asks, love Nick and his list. We all do. Oh, man, well, I love Richard Sands, though. He's great. There you go. Since many of the guys might not be going to five innings, example, Urias, who we, we kind of mentioned this, which other pitchers do you value highly? Uh, because of the the increased innings, right? Yes. I so all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna as much as I want to think that I have fully memorized my list, I need to sometimes refresh my memory. Um, I do think Frankie Montes is someone that the A's actually will be pushing um, a little bit. Trevor Bauer should be considered more because I uh, he will be pushed. You know, like he will refuse to be babied. Like absolutely refuse. Yeah, he, he will have that ego thing going for him. Right. I mean, I will say this about Kenta Maeda is like the whole stipulation about his contract in 140 innings or every 10 innings gaining more money. Well, who cares about that now? Yep. So, yeah. so that that's that's fascinating to me. Um, and I think the Tigers are not going to hold back on Matthew Boyd either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so those are a couple game uh, names off the top of my head. Uh, that I would consider. I would pull back on like Tyler Glasnow. Mm-hmm. Uh, pull back 
on, um, let's see, Brandon Woodruff. I know that's kind of weird, but the Brewers were weird with him in September last year. And that brings me a little bit of concern. I would pull back on Soroka, um, pull back on Luzardo. Uh, and I think that rounds out for the most part of the guys that I'd pull back from in the top 30 or 40 or so. He also asked, are there any middle reliever types that you're hot or, or high innings guys who aren't starting pitchers? Oh man. That's a tough one. I, I mean, Yarbrough, does that count? <laughs> I think Yarbrough and Chirinos can be very interesting. I don't know. I think Chirinos are going to start, so that might be a little different. Did, yeah. But uh, those two could be interesting, I think. I heard, like Chris Bassett is one that's getting floated around a lot right now. Jason Collette is like the biggest Bassett fan. The question for me is, is it going to be a six man rotation for the A's? Then I maybe are not so high on Frankie Montas and Sean Manaya, but I. Yeah, he's a, he's a big fan of that. And then it's also like, if it's not a six man, does Bassett beat out AJ Puck? Maybe he does. Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I hope we get more clarity on six versus five mans because that does make a massive difference. Yes, that's like two starts or so. That's huge. It's yeah, a lot. It'll be very very big. So this this is crazy. Um, middle relievers. Uh-huh. That's the wrong guy. I'm really sorry, Richard. Fortunately, he's a PL Plus member, so he can ask Rick Ram, our fantastic reliever expert at the site. Uh, so definitely do that. But uh, yeah, go. I mean, I got Dylan Patanzas in this draft. Yeah, I saw that. That's the thing is there's going to be some fun ones. I think like uh, Lugo for the Mets is an intriguing one. Every team's going to have a couple guys that you could, yeah. you know, the the Padres have Pomeranz and uh, Pagan. They can both be interesting, right. stuff like that. There, there's ways to build it around. Yeah, um, very, I'm very curious what will happen. Uh, Will Garofalo asks, your favorite under-the-radar target in a shortened season? I get to hear from Will, too. Yep. Uh, favorite underrated target? Is that right? Under-the-radar target. Under-the-radar target. Um, <laughs> do you want, like, the true dark horses or just, like, the ones go, that are Go around? crazy, Nick. Go crazy. Well, there's two of them. Uh, one I mentioned yesterday is Brad Keller. Um, if he does bring up the 95 mile per hour velocity that he had last year before he got injured, well, that might actually be somewhat interesting. Hey, if he goes against the Tigers in that first week, there's you're stealing a win. The other one is Chad Cool, who we gotta we gotta recognize that this guy's throwing upper 90s with a stupid good slider before he had Tommy John 2018, and he also was increasing that slider usage right before he got it to the point that I made an article. So like, hey, he's doing this thing one hour before his start where he got blown up because his elbow was killing him. And that was really funny to me. Where this article, like, I'm so confident. And then the comments of that article on Rotographs are like, ooh, no, this did not age well. Uh, but then, of course, he had one more not start cool. at the top of John. And I was like, okay, at least that explains it. I feel terrible for him that he has it now. Um, but I, but yeah, those are the two like true dark horse in in my mind of like, hey, we might legit care about these guys. Uh, Chad Cool has some weird people to beat. Like he has to beat out Derek Holland for that fifth spot right now. But hey, maybe everyone does a six man. I don't know. Uh, so that, those are those are some names that don't get tossed around enough. Um, that I think should be considered the good old Dutch oven in Pittsburgh. That'll be a, an interesting development there with Holland. Um, the, the the Dutch invasion. Dutch invasion. Oh yes, Mister Holland. Um, Less than Dave. Dave McDonald has a couple questions. We're going to start with the first one. Does Nick base his starting pitcher rankings off of a numerical rating, like a stuff rating? If so, what goes into that? If not, how do you do your rankings? Absolutely not. Uh, I <laughs> wish. That would be cool and easy, right? 
No, I'm someone that doesn't really. I mean, I did projections this year for our draft guide, and I uh, I did I made them like I actually called them Nick's reluctant projections. <laughs> I didn't actually say Nick's. Pro- I had to add in reluctant just to show like I don't enjoy this. Okay, I don't think that projections are the greatest thing ever because I think people become too too um, reliant on them um, to do everything and tell them everything, and it's. The the range of outcomes is just as important, if not more so, to me. And understanding the the craft and the actual uh, repertoire, and saying, like, "Look, like this is a fastball that I think ha- can get better. This is one that I think overperformed." And understanding those elements, um, you know, taking a pitcher, and I hear this all the time. Like, "Oh man, I really like this one pitcher. I really think if he takes the next step, he'll be great." And the question I always ask is, well, what would that next step be? Like, can he, what change happens? And if you can't tell me what that would be, then I'm not going to buy that he'll have that change, right? But I'm on Zach Wheeler because I think there there is a significant change that can be made with him, which is instead of pitching east-west like he was with the Mets, I think Wheeler's four-seamer is fantastic. It works north-south with a slider that actually misses bats and can be really effective. And he was very underutilized, I think, in New York, especially with Wilson Ramos as catcher, which, Casey, if you've watched a game with Wilson Ramos catching. It's not it's not pretty. And really, like, notice what he's doing and where he's setting up and how he receives it. Oh, it is so painful. But now he's going to JT Realmuto, who loves the frame perfectly, snatches the, the, the ball and leaves the glove there and sticks it, you know. It's excellent i can't wait for zach wheeler to get that proper treatment so those are the kind of things that i i obviously i look at what they've done and you know the 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 strikeout rates and you know the csw you know swing strike rates oh swing zone rates all that kind of stuff but for me when it comes to making these rankings truly it comes down to what is their repertoire what has this dictated before do i think that what they did last year or previous seasons or whatever was in line with that repertoire. And was it more fluky or is it more in rhythm or is that actually something that no over time, this should equate to success or not. That's generally the approach I have. And then of course there's a mixing pot of like degradation or development. Okay. And the power, the the true D and D is not Dungeons and Dragons. It's degradation and development guys. I like that. I like that. More and more phrases from pitcher list. Oh, wait. Uh, oh, another catcher from uh, another question from Dave McDonald. What does, what does Nick think gains and loses the most value in a shortened season? What, what, like, um, what specifically? Like, I don't know. That's a very loaded question. <laughs> um, yeah, I would think that, okay. Uh, what gains in value? I think it's more important to get the, the hitters that you trust. Because you just don't have the amount of time that we normally give for hitters to figure it out. The benefit of pitchers and why I'm so shocked that fewer, not as many people as I do, only specialize in pitching. Because we have one start that is like the the equivalent of like five, six games of a hitter in one night. So we can make quicker analysis. Um, and so for me, that means in a shorter season, it makes it easier to do pitching things uh, than it is to do hitter things. That makes sense. So if any time for me, these drafts, I'm suppressing pitching more 
because it's, the, it's such a necessity to feel comfortable in my lineup that I'm not that 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 isn't the hindrance that I need to figure out before it's too late. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and that kind of goes with the next question here from Robbie Steinerman. He asks, "What does the shorter season affect the most? Are all pitchers move down? Do elite pitchers move up? Closers move up? Like, what do you, who do you think it affects the most?" It's uh, a lot of people have been saying, okay, I want my stud pitchers now because more uncertainty and lock that in. But then there's talk of like Garrett Cole not throwing 100 pitches in his first game. What? It's just crazy. Just, just, I don't understand that at all. Crazy talk. I don't like this. So right now we're completely in the haze where it just makes everything middle. I mean, uh, or, or, or normalized a bit. I, middle relievers will have some value. I'm going to say this from a fantasy baseball player. I don't want to deal with it. I'm lazy. <laughs> I'm a fantasy baseball player. I don't want to have to spend every day trying to figure out who to vulture wins or saves from with my middle relievers. So I'm okay, like during a draft, to chase a couple ones, like you know, drafting Nick Anderson. Kind of like you know what, win saves, you'll probably get something in there. Uh, your 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 Karen Shack, your Dylan Batanza, as you said, Seth Lugo, right? Like, sure, I'm fine just taking a couple and just eh, see what happens with it. But for the most part, it's it's not something that I want to deal with. So I, I don't really find myself really like shoving them up drafts now. Quick question for you. You just mentioned Garrett Cole. We talked about Mike Trout maybe having a 14-day quarantine. Cole's wife is pregnant as well. Now, if you're talking 14 days, that could be two to three starts on an already shortened start season. I know you don't take pictures early, but would he just be like a no-go for you? Yeah. I mean – Okay, where are you drafting Otani, the pitcher? See, I've had this debate, and some people think I'm crazy. If I know he's getting one start a week, so I'm getting, say, 11 starts from Otani. So you're not, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. You're not getting that. Because one in every seven days. So that okay, time, they, 11 would be 77. Okay, because I thought they'd give him one a week. So let's say, so you're, yeah. nine, so you're getting nine starts then. Yeah, essentially it's like nine versus the 11. Maybe eight or so. It depends on when they start him, right? But uh, yeah, so so you're essentially losing like twenty percent of expected production. I'd still have him as a top fifty pitcher. Well, yeah, I agree with that. I have him in the top forty. Yeah, I was gonna say I probably have him around thirty five ish. Okay, yeah. So I think I think honestly, people are kind of undervaluing Otani enough because I think the quality of his of his performances are going to be like really high. Like you're gonna be really happy that you had him. Yeah, if, if if we knew he would pitch every five days, obviously yeah. that, that's he'd be the, top. He would be like fifteen for me or fourteen. I was about to say he'd be in that like Corbin yeah. Kershaw Darvish Castillo talk easily. Yeah, exactly, one hundred percent. So, so that's the thing with Otani. I, I feel kind of weird. Like, where should I go from? And it's also like if I'm going after Kluber, and then like if I have to go like Kluber or Granky together, Otani is the perfect match for this. Yeah. Because it's, you know, those are like more of the innings guys. And then you have like the volume strikeout guy that you're not killing the inning or the, the, the ratios with that's Otani. So the reason I bring that up is because if Garrett Cole's missing two starts or three starts, it's kind of like Otani, but like mm-hmm. a little bit better. So then, so then if I have Otani at 36, which I do right now, then Cole mm-hmm. probably go to like 25 or something like that. Okay. And that's never going to happen in a draft, but it makes tons of sense. Yeah. I just think it's an interesting topic because, Trout's been discussed a lot about not going one because of what's going on. Yeah. I still see Cole, three spots though. <laughs> yeah, true. But I still see Cole going like as the first pitcher off the board. That hasn't changed. Yeah. 
So that's interesting to me. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't. I haven't heard enough about the the cold family pregnancy. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is this is where we're at, guys. <laughs> Pay attention to all the news you can see. You got two more questions here, and I oh. saved these two last. Uh, they're 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 a little. One's still fantasy baseball related, and then one's Nancy Eaton. So um, let's go to Dan Strafford first. Good old Dan Strafford. He says, is there a prominent zig seen as so many try to figure out the data projections for a 60-game season? How can one get an edge with the present state of content and small sample? It's a great question because all these projections are coming out in fan graphs, and they all vary so much when it comes to pitching because no one really knows what's going to happen. We've great. never seen Chaos. Okay. Enjoy the fireside chat with whiskey. Okay. With whiskey. And there's so much great content out there. And there's so many different ways that are getting it broken down. How do you recommend navigating it? How do you be different? I guess. The the number one piece of advice is to read Roundup every day. No, (laughs) (laughs) No, um, really, if honestly, I think the thing that will help the most is the thing we don't have yet. And that's the schedule. Yes. And once we have the schedule, we're going to, we got to break that thing down and be like, look, this is not like it normally is in the season. I, what I do in September of every year is the most annoying thing ever, which really is like the last week of August where I redo the list, but then list out the expected schedules for everybody. And it's so arduous and so annoying, and I hate it every time, but it's a necessary thing because I feel like I'd be doing a disservice ranking these guys without taking in the factor of who they're playing. So in a short – I mean, that's like with six starts to go, and that's like half the season. (laughs) So really, in my head, it's like I should be doing the list in in a couple weeks again with schedules heavily influenced into it because i mean that that's going to be the difference maker for a lot of these guys and i remember actually the beginning of the year i was intrigued with dylan bundy but then i was like you know what it looks like he's gonna get the astros twice in his first two or yeah first two starts i don't want that and that's a huge piece of information like i wouldn't want to be streaming dylan bundy early right but then after that let's see how he's doing and maybe like i'll pick up him up in like may or something but I, so, I mean, that's the kind of thing that you can definitely do to get an advantage uh, that isn't talked about enough. Yeah, the schedule is going to be very big this year for the advantages you just mentioned. I know, like, when we looked at, even for hitters, oh, this guy opens up with a series in Colorado. I can just drop him after that. No big deal. But that's huge. Things along those lines. But in this shortened season, these schedules are definitely not going to be balanced. Like, they usually try to make balanced schedules. These are not right. going to be balanced. And this oh. is, that's just the, the hard and fast of it. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, pitcher A, does he pitch in the West and have more starts against the bottom parts of the West or the top parts in the West? Stuff along those lines that'll elevate things or, or lower in certain regards. So you're right. It's going to – and the reports from, like, Jason Stark and the guys as of Wednesday is they're hoping sometime towards the end of next week they'll get the schedule. But right now it's the teams playing cautious. That's where they're at right now. That makes a lot of sense. And one thing I will add to is there's a lot of discussion about removing the DH. I'm sorry, adding the DH rather for the NL pitchers and how much that affects them. Honestly, I'm not doing a thing. Uh, I I know everyone is like, okay, 10% shift because it's better hitters and stuff. You're not wrong. No. I will tell you as a pitcher that the mentality is different. 
Like you attack pitchers differently. And if that was just a pinch hitter or something like that, I don't think that it's just going to create this massive change in your ratios and in, in performance. It, it, just, it just doesn't seem right to me. Uh, and I mean, we've seen guys go from like the NL to the AL before and same kind of ordeal, you know, and vice versa. It's not like all of a sudden it becomes so much better when they go to the NL. Uh, I want to call it like a sabbatical. Uh, when they go from like the AL to the NL, I think of it as like him going to be a brewer and then dominating, right? Everything. Um, but I, uh, but yeah, it's not. I, I'm not going to shift my ranks because of that. It just doesn't sit right with me. And I, I agree with that. Uh, I, I most people are saying it's a heavy shift. Like I see their argument. I'm not going to ignore it because it definitely anything is better than a pitcher. But my side of the argument is as a guy that's grown up as a National League fan, and I know the Giants are a bad example here, but a lot of National League teams don't have a designated hitter. That's just, they don't, they're not built yeah. that way. Oh, that's an interesting argument, yeah. American League teams literally, Nelson Cruz is signed to the Twins for millions of dollars to DH. That's what he does. Right. Most right. National League teams, like Dave Roberts already came out for the Dodgers and said he's using the DH to give guys days off. He listed off almost every single player in his roster that could DH this season. Right. That's what he's going to do. And I think a lot of teams are going to do that. So that it'll be interesting. All right, Mr. Yancey Eaton, our good friend, <laughs> Yancey Eaton. And I love Yancey for many reasons besides being a great guy. Was- Whenever I ask for listener questions, he comes with the off-the-wall stuff. And I respect the oh, heck out of it. I mean, he had so many great questions for you. Yes. So. Oh, and, and you guys. like he's. Uh, I'm telling you, I, I, well, he needs to do his own show, period. But that's a whole yeah, other I topic. Another day, but uh, genuinely a great guy, and he had a great question here. A weird series of events make it so that neither of you can podcast about baseball or sports in general ever again. But you have to continue podcasting, or everyone dies. What subject are you podcasting about in order to save humanity, Nick? (laughs) (laughs) What is this, Yancey? Um, what am I podcasting about? It's funny, like, okay, so my my podcasting, like, world, I didn't really listen to podcasts before doing one, really. Um, and, And for me, like, I only podcast because there's things changing. Like, it's new things, and they're changing about it. And there's also, like, a game being played, so I am trying to give advice for it. And I would feel so weird. Like, I have, I have interests, you know, I would, I, I, like I play guitar and love like progressive metal and stuff. And I coach basketball and I uh, obviously I'm, you know, like so many others, I, I enjoy video games and stuff too. And uh, I could talk about all of that, but it's not like advice. It's not like, you know, it's not like my thought process for playing this game. And it feels so weird talking just about the news that, you know, everyone else kind of heard and who really cares. It's kind of what I would think about that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So if I had if I had another podcast, I would probably do a cast um, bringing on interesting people to talk about their lives that we wouldn't know about. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what it's like to be an electrical engineer. You know, what on earth do you do? What are mm-hmm. like the hardships of it? What are you know, what is that process like? I would want to have a podcast about the people and what their lives are like. That that is, then we can see into that field and what you know what things humans do. That to me would be probably what I would do. 
That is uh, a reason why Nick is who Nick is because he has a very thought out and thoughtful answer. That was that'd be a really cool show though because when you get interested in listening and, and you hold a conversation, you could make a lot of things sound awesome. So I could see, I could see that uh, being actually a pretty cool thing for me. It came down to like one of two things. And I know Yancey will appreciate one of them for sure, but I love TV, like good TV shows. So I could talk about TV shows and we could do something like that, but that's, that's out there. People do that. The other thing is, is, my wife and I, we're kind of foodies. We like going to restaurants and having good meals and trying different things. It doesn't have to be fancy restaurants at all. Just going and trying things. Yeah. I would enjoy, it would be a podcast based on food, but I like to be able to like interview the cooks and like what brings it out of them, what made them think, okay, let's try it this way. All those type of things. I think that would be a a fun idea instead of, you know, Hey, we're going to do this, this, we had this for dinner and we like this kind of food. I want to hear like the process. And right. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, it's like the same thing. We want to hear about the humanity of things. Yeah. Right. And the, the characters that, that exist in it and like how we all tick and, you know, the, the, the pieces of knowledge that we're so not even aware or out there to acquire. Right. Yeah. Because that's kind of, you said we give advice for a game we play, but in reality, we're breaking down the process. Right. That's all we're doing. So, it's a, it's a similar thing, but we're trying to get a different viewpoint on a different subject. So I think that'd be kind of kind of fun to see and, and do because there's a ton of podcasts. That's the old joke. Everyone can do a podcast. But uh, I, I'd be curious to see something non-sports uh, related. Those would be some interesting shows because I would not want to do politics. I would not want to go anywhere near that. Right. But that's just a bad idea. So it'd be interesting. That'd be very, so, very interesting. It's kind of funny that this is brought up. I don't even think I told Yancey about this. I'm doing a podcast tomorrow. Um, it's it's not going to be on the corner. I, I'm actually, uh, I haven't announced it or anything yet. I'm going to be doing one with Jordan Davis. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know him. He's a, 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 a rising star in, in, in country music. Oh, I'm a very big country fan, so I understand. Uh, so he's, you know, we, we're going to do a podcast tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, which is, I mean, I'm excited. Uh, we're just going to sit back and talk about baseball. He's a big Rangers fan, grew up in Louisiana. Um, talk a little bit about music and guitar too. It's obviously going to be a little different than the normal, like, Hey, it's a pitchless podcast and it won't be fantasy and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, hopefully I'll kind of go into like, what is the craft of writing a song and what is the the world from your eyes kind of thing. So maybe that. There you go, Yance. That's 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 if you, talk, you talk country music is the best example of people telling a story. Like that's what they do. So you're you could you're gonna get some answers like that are gonna be really cool if you really think sit down. I'm looking forward to it. I don't I'm still trying to grasp like why I get to do this, but <laughs> that's what's happening tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to that. So that should be fun. Well, awesome. I look forward to listening to it. And uh, before we sign off on this awesome episode, once again. Plug Pitcher List, Pitcher List Plus, your Twitter, all that good stuff. Nah, you guys know all of that. I want to plug you for 300 episodes. You oh, did it. Thank you. you 300 times, Casey. But that's unbelievable. You should be so proud. Yeah, for obviously sure. have a fantastic thing that you're doing here, uh, and and we're just we're just so happy for you, man. This is great. Uh, you 300 
that's like that's really oh that's a that's a major accomplishment there should be some like general podcast committee that just sends you something for doing it you know i like like the youtube play award thing you know when you get like a thousand or a hundred thousand subscribers or whatever it is there should be the like oh hey you did 300 podcasts like sweet pretty awesome no. congratulations man i appreciate it and i appreciate you coming back on the show again and, and chatting it up with me i always enjoy talking with you it's, it's a good time i look forward to doing it again sometime hopefully before 400 of course so, we're baseball yes yeah you that's know? what besides just talking to you tonight the last couple episodes have been great because we actually have something to talk about right that's true <laughs> Because how hard was it to try to do this for like three and a half months? <laughs> well, I didn't like I, I like Fast and I. We just we we were fortunate enough to be able to reach out and, and to talk to all those pitchers, but we didn't want to talk baseball. You know, we didn't want to talk about that because it was just like, what are we gonna do? You know, we got we got to know more about what we're dealing with first. So, hundred percent with you. So now we got something to talk about. We have hopefully baseball coming up in like three weeks. Woo. So. Yes, it's around the corner. Then Nick can watch every game all the time and endure all his friends. So <laughs> until then, uh, check Nick out on Twitter at PitcherList and at PitcherList.com and PitcherList Plus, all that great stuff. But again, Nick, thanks for joining me, my friend. Oh, an absolute pleasure. And again, congratulations, Bubba. Thank you. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 300. Catch you guys next time. from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.